One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daney. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio, and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed, plus lots of bonus content, including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A. You will also get bonus content every month, including the audio versions of my regular columns for ESPN. So do please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so. Maybe even strangers in the street. Love you. Hi there, welcome to The Big Interview, I'm Graham. Today's guest is Darren Anderton, an exceptionally talented, two-footed footballer whose influence on every team he played with during the 90s, I think, is vastly underrated. A real talent. But he spent most of that extremely successful career playing for Spurs in England. In this first part of our interview, we'll focus on what people like to call his origin story. If you've been listening to the Big Interview series for a while now, you'll already know how much we enjoy these stories about how the wonderful footballers or coaches or presidents or actors or comedians get their break, where they come from, what shapes them and who shapes them. For Darren Anderton, it's really fundamentally about one man, his dad. This was the guiding voice in Darren's life, and his career. But Darren explains with some detail that life was difficult for his dad, who was Scottish from Motherwell. In fact, did you know that not only could Darren have played for Scotland, he very nearly did. Anyway, it was Darren's dad's phone call to Portsmouth saying, I think my boy can play a bit and you should check him out, that put our guest today on the road to greatness and on the road to a little bit of bother. For those who aren't initiated, there's a bigger rival than Scotland-England, where Darren had to choose, and was happy with his choice. And that rivalry is Southampton and Portsmouth. I'll let him explain. It's my great pleasure to introduce somebody who speaks with colour and passion and articulacy 
about a career well spent. Darren Anderton. Listeners, we love you. There have been 20 million over you over the what's nearly now six years of the big interview. I'm in the lucky position to express real enthusiasm, natural, unbridled enthusiasm. You all know me for that, <laughs> because we choose our guests really carefully, and, and the guest has to mean something to us. And therefore, I say again today that we're pretty privileged because we're about to talk to an exceptional footballer, a man of high achievement, a high skill, a real clear, visionary football brain. And also somebody who's nicking around in another part of the world now. So he's got a scratcher at a very early hour. I'm pleased to welcome um, Blair Pompey to the big interview. <laughs> Darren Spurs and England legend, Darren Anderton. Darren, good morning. Good morning. Darren, you're, you're a little bit aware of what we do in this. And I have to start the interview by, by telling you that I'm, I'm mad as hell. It's 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 qualifying for the Qatar World Cup time, and Scotland's opponents, Austria, have named a forty-three man squad. They genuinely have named a forty-three man squad. Didn't know they had forty-three players. They, well, they, <laughs> whether they do or they don't, the sport is being named in there, and, and they say it's to do with some of the Bundesliga stars might not be allowed to come over. But I know it's fear. It's pure fear at the mighty Scotland. I know you're in great nick. I know that you've got a past that we're going to have to speak about that wears a different colour shirt, but are you available for the qualifying campaign and indeed for the Euro Championships this summer? And, and what's your mental disposition to the country of the country of your heritage? Well, yes, I would love to be available for that uh, job. Job done. Um, I, I I always did think if if I ended up playing for Scotland, I might have got a few more caps. To be fair, a hundred and thirty odd. It would have been absolutely. <laughs> And we'd have loved you. We'd have loved you so much. <laughs> I, I have to start and pay tribute to somebody who's been, who was just gigantic throughout your life and your career and who patently was a man of character and, and good brain and to whom you a lot. Your dad was born in Motherwell. Not everybody listening to this is, is going to know where that is. But it was a traditional yeah. blue-collar, steel town a real working time where, where men and women of character came from. If I talked about your dad as being um, down-to-earth, smart, <laughs> to the point, fun, quite hard, as mother characters are supposed to, am I beginning to scratch the surface of that, that wonderful man? Oh, for sure. I think, I think you've said it all there. I mean, it's a perfect way to describe him. He really was very down-to-earth. Um, kept things real, which was, of course, was very good for me uh, as I embarked on a, a career which, you know, lots of highs and lows. So it keeps you very grounded, especially in my early years when it felt like my career was just a, an upward curve of, of many, many, many positives. But he was always there to have a little bit of a giggle and a joke about things and, and keep my feet on the ground. And, uh, you know, he was a, he was my best friend, um, very honest um, not in terms of, you know, if I played badly or anything, he would criticise. He would just say, well, never mind, on to the next one. Um, he, he knew I was a very frus frustrated person when playing football, especially when I used to play out wide. And 
always wanted to do well, always wanted to, you know, make things happen. And some games that doesn't happen and you get a little bit frustrated playing wide and you try and do too much when you do get the ball, maybe for the first time in five minutes, instead of just popping it off and going again and getting yourself going. And he just sometimes would just say, well, just, you know, always do the right thing. Don't force it. You know, (laughs) you know what's the right thing. I mean, my dad didn't claim to have a great knowledge of the game, but I think he had a great knowledge of me and my mentality and that sort of thing. So that would always be kind of funny after after games and I would come into the players' lounge even when I started at Portsmouth um, and then on, of course, on at Tottenham, my dad would sit there very calm and just say, well, well, well played today, yeah, good effort. And then my mum would be the one sat next to him asking the 100 questions. What did the manager say? What this? So my dad ended up having a, a nickname for, for her called C-Fax. <laughs> In terms of every time I'd walk up and I'm shattered and my dad would like, just someone just go and grab him a beer or go and grab him a drink, you know. You know, let's start this interview now. It was hilarious. And she's just so excitable and, and loved it. Whereas my dad was such a calming influence after those games. Even when like, I'd come out of a game sometimes, you know, fuming that, that, you know, how the game had gone and that. But that just calmness and reality of everything, it really... It, it really helped. And I think more you, I think about it and talk about it, the more I realise that. And I, I guess you take it for granted because that's how he is. But it also made you realise that, yes, football is so much, so intense. You work and train for that reason, to play on a Saturday at three o'clock. And that's what it's all about. When it doesn't go well, it feels awful. And that reality and that calmness that my dad had always just brought things down to, you know, back down to reality that I'm doing the thing I love there's going to be a game next week. You're going to go training on Monday. You'd have forgotten about it. And, and that really helped, especially in my early years. I'm struck by you saying, Dan, about how well, however he, how intimately he understood football, he knew you really well. And I suppose in situations like that, it's a little bit like having in your family to your right-hand side as your most trusted person. One of these yeah. things that people now go to, which is, coaches who help with your psychology who can keep you on the straight and narrow but but most people are parents not unfortunately not all sportsmen and women that go on yeah are parental but all the parental experiences I think are really different and one small example is I was recently interviewing the Barcelona striker Martin Brathwaite and he said that his Diane his, his dad from Guyana who'd been brought up in New York was ultra hard with him in Denmark pushed him, criticised him to the point that Martin said, I, I didn't feel loved. And now he realises that the things that his dad were, were, was drilling into him have benefited him. They're close as anything now. But he went through a spell where he, he didn't feel particularly, he felt challenged and not particularly loved. Clearly what you got from your father was astute in that he knew exactly what to do to get the best out of you in good and bad circumstances, whether you're as a teenager or laterally as you're breaking through and becoming a, a big star? Well, I think that really comes back to my childhood in general in the fact that my mum and dad got divorced uh, when I was around 10, which was a tough, tough age. I had two, uh, younger siblings, uh, two brothers. One would have been eight, one six, and then a sister who was the twin to the youngest at six. So <clears throat> um, I guess I kind of grew up quickly and I knew what was going on in my, my younger uh, brothers and sisters didn't really, and my mum was leaving to, you know, uh, and we were going with her to be live with someone else at another man's house. It was 
not very nice. Um, see, you know, the house you live in, you see your dad crying as you're leaving and that sort of thing. Fortunately, we <coughs> caused such a ruckus <laughs> at my mum's new place with the the new uh, her new partner that I think in the end it was it's either it's either them or us <laughs> and <coughs> my um you know my dad was still live at the same house he didn't jump ship and go off and let you know go and live in Spain or something like that which he could quite easily be he was so upset about it but he we would go to his house every day after school because the school playing field was behind our garden. Um, and it wasn't anything against my mum. It was just one of those things that that was our family home. That's where we wanted to be. And so we ended up going back to my dad's. My mum would come and cook us dinner every night, but also help show my dad how to cook a dinner. So all these things I had to watch and see my dad learn and be this person that he really wasn't. He was a removal man. He was very simple. Uh, never cooked in his life, and now he's cooking for four children um, at an age which he, you know, I'm, I'm sure my mum did everything up until that point. But we got the best of both worlds. I was very lucky that both my mum and dad, the way that they sorted that all out was my mum would come over every day and help cook dinner, be there, and then go off to her house and be with her new husband and uh, partner. So... Um, were very, very lucky because of that. But also, I think, at that time, I then became my dad's best friend. I would sit with him every night and watch the football or, you know, before he'd go out to work, you know, because there was, like, the property crash and so the removal business went pear-shaped. He ended up being a taxi driver. So I could just sit there and talk about football with my dad all day, all night. I would play all day. And I think that was just it. I think he just... He he would never scream and shout on the sidelines watching games and that sort of thing. So, of course, for me, whenever I see that from kids and I see or I speak to friends talking about their kids playing and they're so into it and they're just too much, in my opinion. I just had that calming influence from my dad, A, as a kid growing up and B, as trying to be a footballer. And, and, it, and throughout my career in everything up until unfortunately when he passed away he was always the first person I would I would speak to and whether I felt good or bad he always made me feel great and that that's what it was all about and and I think that comes from that the way that he dealt with our upbringing I mean he could I mean if you'd known him before that there's no way he could bring up four kids up on his own basically but he did it because he and that's what it comes down he just loved us and was um Everything was about us. And, of course, it's very difficult as a kid trying to be a professional footballer. So many ups and downs, and his advice certainly helped. It's an exceptional testimonial to be able to give to a parent, mother or father. It's, yeah. it's, it's brilliant to hear because to be able to yeah. say that about a parent is wonderful. Um, yeah. As a Scot, I mean, he and I are different, slightly different generations, <clears throat> but we, we share some traits, I'm sure. As a nation, we tend to get a little bit more Scottish the further away we get from Scotland. <laughs> and, and just by coincidence, again, I interviewed Scott McTominay recently, who, who grew up in the northwest, just outside Manchester, played all day in the garden with his dad at football, and still does to this day as a Manchester United midfielder. He said, oh, in fact, I've, I've got to go at the end of this interview. I've got to go and play football with my dad in the garden. Oh, I love which that. Is a nice thing to say. Now, yeah. for him... 
and his dad, there was no question that once Scotland were interested, what they would choose. Nor for you was there really any question, although you gave us the benefit of a shot and Andy Roxford had <laughs> dropped the ball. <laughs> if only it had been different. But in your heart and in your soul and your idea, there was no, no, no doubt at all that if England were calling, that you were English. But again, I'm just... For the last bit about your dad, I'm interested about how, how Scottish he was uh, how, before you become an England international, how much his hopes might have been that you, you might go and play for his country if it didn't feel like your country. Yeah, possibly. I mean, it's a strange one, really, because, I mean, he ended up going... Um, he's lost his dad when he was two, so he wouldn't have known much about him. Um, his then stepdad uh, was from England and... Uh, ended up, he ended up going to boarding school in Jersey uh, and then ended up from there moving, the family were in Southampton, so that's where he ended up being and that's why we, we our family is from, from there. But um, he always told me stories about how he used to play for Rangers. <laughs> and he'd make up these stories and I would go on um, journeys with him to Scotland when he did his removals and it would be like oh you know overnight stays and I just obviously I just loved it and it was him and his workman his pal John and my dad would just tell these stories uh, and I believe them I believe them all that my dad was this footballer that played for Rangers now he scored these goals and he did this and he did that and of course uh, once I started getting to 10 11 I'm playing in <laughs> football in the garden I realized just how useless my dad was funny enough when I did go up to Scotland for that trial um and I went up the night before my dad took, you know, took, my sister came as well. She was only little, we drove up. My dad took us, you know, showed me our eyebrows and showed showed me Celtic Park and all that. And it was, yeah. So I, I, he didn't carp on about it in any way. I knew he was Scottish. I knew, you know, he used to take me to watch Southampton. So I felt like that was probably like his team. Um, but I knew that these stories and everything else that he has, a, you know, a strong bond with where he was from in Scotland. So, what I was so appreciative, like hopefully you can tell about what he had done for me, not just to become a footballer and have a chance of being one, but to the way that I grew up and you know I was very spoiled to go that way because you know broken families can be really tough for kids. So when the opportunity Opportunity came that Graham Padden said, "Look, you know Scotland. You know they've been on the phone. There's some trial. They want you to go." And do it. I was like, "Oh yeah." And, and for that reason solely, I mean, in hindsight, I'm glad that it didn't work out. Of course, I didn't have to make that decision. But the sole reason I felt like I was doing it was a, a thank you to him for what he had done for me. Before the rest of this big interview, I'd like to tell you that our entire archive of audio and video content is now on our new YouTube channel. We've begun filming all of our interviews, and there are already loads of clips with guests, including Rio Ferdinand, Connor Cody, Brendan Rogers, and Jamie Carragher, plus full interviews for you to watch and to share. Please do share with friends. Go to YouTube and search Graham Hunter or click on the link in the show notes to this episode and become a subscriber. I honestly think you'll enjoy it. Thanks. (laughs) 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I hate doing this because I've I've sort of mentioned three other two other people already, and I wasn't intending. In fact, I was, this is typical of these interviews. You've you've opened up a world of adventure to me because we were listening back to maybe the second or third big interview that we did all those years ago, and it was Chrissy Waddle. And I just said to him off the top of my head, a, a player with whom you share ability and vision and use of the ball, and, and that's meant to be a big compliment because I think Chris Waddle had a lot of Brazilian genes in him. You know, you know what I'm saying. But he told, I said, oh, you're, we're about the same age. Do you remember where you watched the 1966 World Cup? He said, yeah, I can tell you all about it. He said, we lived up north, just outside Newcastle. He said, me and my, my two brothers, three of us, my mum and dad, in an old-fashioned um, British motorcycle with a sidecar. And, and his mum's sister lived in Watford. So the five of them drove down for their summer holidays from just outside Newcastle in these newly constructed roads and waterways down to Watford to be there for the summer and to watch the World Cup final with his auntie. He said the three boys were changing positions and crawling over each other as they drove in the sidecar or whatever. That enchanted me, and thank God they made it do because Chrissy Waddle was a gift from God for everybody who loves football. But being on the road in a massive, great, big furniture pantechnican with your sister, your dad and his pal, sometimes up in the cab, sometimes back in the thing, and, and coming to strange places you've never seen before, all the noise and the shouting and the hefting. That must have been just a magical experience for a kid. It was. Yeah, it really was. I mean, and my dad always used to tell the story about how me helping usually meant I would pick a chair up and go to the front door and plonk it in the middle of the hallway in the front door. And as they come in with the big heavy stuff, they're like, someone moved that chair. <laughs> Darren's just dumped the chair in the middle of the hallway again. He just loved having me there. But it was, um, it was fun times. It was an adventure. Exactly what it was. I absolutely loved it. How did you end up uh, playing for Pompey? Uh, that would be down to him, really, because, as I said, his knowledge wasn't great of football, I didn't feel, and his t- talent most certainly wasn't. I mean, I've watched him kick a football back at a training game and end up breaking his toe and things like that. He was absolutely useless. And that was the... F- God knows where I got it from. But um, I was playing for the Southampton schoolboys, which is like the under-14 teams, which is um, the city, and we would play every Saturday morning and then you'd play for your club team on a Sunday. Uh, in that Southampton team, there was probably four or five of the lads were with the Southampton Academy, which was always a very good academy, a team I supported as a kid. Um, but they would watch the games. They would come and watch the, you know, their boys playing in those games and they never once asked me to join or do anything like that. And my dad, who didn't have... The greatest knowledge I didn't think, just thought that I was on a, a level playing field with some of those boys and I was, you know, I was doing pretty good. So he just called Portsmouth and as a team, the closest team to us. 
spoke to Dave Hurst. He said, yeah, I'll come and watch. And I played in another game. My dad didn't, wasn't at that one. He was taking my younger brother to go and watch him play for the Southampton under 11s or something. My mum was at the game. We was stood there as I came out of the change rooms after the game and a guy came up to us and said, hi, uh, Darren Anson, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He went, oh, uh, hi, said hi to my mum. He said, uh, your dad called me this week and asked me to come and watch you play. I'm from Portsmouth. And, uh, yeah, I think you did really good. I, you know, you try, you try and do all, all things the right way. Um, can we come around and have a chat with you this week? I'm like, yeah, of course. Um, so that week, my mum came down to the house in the evening and Dave Hurst came round and asked me to sign associate schoolboy forms. And that, that was it. It was from there. I'd go and train once a week. It was amazing. Being, Alan Ball was the manager of the first team and would take us training on a Thursday. So to have that was incredible. Peter Osgood, uh, Dave Thomas, who was a winger at Everton, um, amazing upbringing. I mean, to go and just once a week, still do your fun football, play for your schools, do all that. All the boys at Southampton, they weren't allowed to play in their, in their what I would call fun football on a Sunday. They missed out on that. I ended up getting an apprenticeship I was the last one to get picked. I wasn't, I was, we played some trial games. I was on the bench. I remember they kept saying that I wasn't strong enough. They put on some, a, a little lad in front of me in one of these games and I came on maybe for the last four minutes. I was so disgruntled. I remember saying to my dad, I'm not, I'm not there's no point. What, what, what's, what am I doing? And he just, it was start of January I think and he just said well you got about six weeks of going once a week training there'll be a couple more games <clears throat> if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen but you never know and he was right um, there was the last trial game I think it was uh, we played against the, Na- the Navy down there Alan Ball was there watching I played right midfield Daryl Powell, who went on and played for Derby and Portsmouth as well, he was playing right back and he'd already got his apprenticeship. He was the star, one of the star boys. Good, he was the top, top player. He just kept getting, getting the ball, giving it to me. I kept doing my little bits and never give the ball away in a, a whole half. Alan Ball was up, stood on that side of the pitch where my dad was and he knew my dad because my brother and his son played in the same Sunday team. Windsor and Southampton so he just turned around to my dad and he said your boy's got a chance he does everything right I mean he's got to get stronger he's got to but I love it he does everything right and that and that was it he just from when I was thinking I wasn't going to get that opportunity two days later I signed an apprenticeship at Portsmouth and that was it and my dad who uh, all he wanted was for me to get a chance because he just knew how much I wanted it. He, he knew I had ability, but on top of that, he knew how hard I worked at it. And the one thing he did have, he was a cross-country runner as a, growing up. He was so, uh, And I definitely got that gene, and I could run all day, and I would win the Hampshire Cross-Country Championships, Hampshire and Surrey, so- Southern England, so I could run all day. He just felt that if I got that opportunity to go and train every day for two years as an apprentice in the youth team, that my ability would shine through. And I, and he was right. It, I couldn't believe how much I improved from 16 to, to 18. 
we're already identifying the character that made you such a successful sportsman because the England-Scotland debate is one thing, but to be a Southampton boy and change the Portsmouth, people listening, people won't know. I mean, never mind what you went through. The, the Southampton Pompey thing is is try and put it into some words or emotions because I'd almost go so far as to say hatred. I think it is. It's really strange. And I think the fact that they've been in different leagues at times over the years meant there were less games. So when it happened, it was even even worse. Uh, it was It was toxic for sure. And as a Southampton boy, being a Southampton fan... Uh, I didn't really get it because I was just a kid and I just, yeah, I wanted Southampton to win and then I wanted Portsmouth to win. They're two teams. I mean, no, no big deal. It wasn't good, you know, it didn't happen, unfortunately. And I remember when I was at Portsmouth, people didn't really know who I was so I could still be in Southampton, go out with my mates who obviously were all Southampton fans and we no big deal. When I signed for Spurs, different story. First game away away at Southampton opening day of the Premier League when the Premier League started terrible game I got abused left right and centre I remember taking a throw in right where I used to sit and these people who I literally sat with four years earlier were I mean they were almost spitting on me it was unbelievable that it was pure hatred uh, Franny Benali elbowed me in the last minute eight stitches above my eye the biggest roar of the day um it, it was unreal. Uh, unbelievable. What a debut. I was like, oh my God, this is... God, I used to think this was fun. But um, it was it was some debut. But then going on from there, I ended up, of course, playing for England and go still want to come back. But every opportunity to come and see my dad and my family and friends go out in Southampton. In the end, I, I had to stop doing it. It was, it was... It got nasty. People were pretty nasty about it all. And um, from that point, I ended up... Go, when I came down, I'd go out down to Bournemouth, um, just get away from it and end up buying a home there. And that's why, uh, you know, my association with Bournemouth started then and I ended up playing there for that reason. Yeah, we, we've been down that neck of the woods to speak to Harry Redknapp and Suey a couple of times and we just call Bournemouth and Pool the neutral zone. We've got, we've, got, we've got really good fans, supporters who've been with us all the time and we've got sponsors. I'll start with one of our supporters, Will McLeod. He's a socio Darren, Will just loves you. He's written an essay about you here. Um, And if I take off the the top of it, what a career Darren had, even if you limit it to the years he spent at Tottenham, I think his move to Spurs coincided with the back pass rule and he left Tottenham the year after Abramovich bought Chelsea. The change in the Premier League in that span makes my head spin. I've been reading old interviews of Darren's and I really love his candour. Even when he was still playing, he would speak his mind. So I'm, I'm hugely looking forward to the interview. My question is really threefold, and here he says, apologies for how long-winded it is, and I've, I've taken a good chunk out of Will's question. Out. Darren played in different roles in Spurs teams over the years and in England teams under different managers as well as, as many spells at other clubs. In purely football terms, which team played the best soccer? Which team did you enjoy playing in the most? And which team got the best out of you? So it is three sections. Which side were you in that played the, the absolute best football? Which, in which one did you enjoy yourself most and which team got the best out of you? Well, I think I was very fortunate, um, especially with the, my England time to play under Terry Venables, who is, for me, the best manager and coach I ever played for by, by a long way, just an incredible man. Uh, I loved playing for Glenn Hoddle. The way that he got the team to play was 
I mean, he was so far ahead of his time, I think. And it was the perfect international manager for those reasons. Uh, that World Cup team in 98 was such a good team to play in. Of course, everyone talks about Euro 96, myself included. Um, I loved playing for England when I first got in. I then changed Terry Venables then for Euro 96, played me as a wing-back, which was fine, but meant less protection from a defender behind me makes you feel very uncomfortable as a winger um, because you that's not what you're good at, but you do it. And I, and the reason I think me and Maka were chosen in those roles was to make it an attacking formation, which it obviously was, uh, but we're obviously we're both limited in our defending ability, but both have a go. Um, so I found that tough, uh, no doubt about it. I most certainly enjoyed playing as a right midfielder with a right back behind me to offer that sort of protection and not feel like I was it was one-on-one against me if I had a flying fullback like a Roberto Carlos or something like that. It'd be like, oh God, just, just get rid of it. Will you pass it, please? In terms of team I enjoyed playing in, probably the most uh, Spurs would probably have to be under what started as Aussie Ardiles at the start of the 94-95 season and ended with Jerry Francis uh, that created the right balance of a team that played the most exciting football with exciting players. Uh, I loved it so much. I mean, Aussie when he brought Jurgen Klinsmann to the club, was what a what a. It almost felt like it was changing football. Um, the way that Aussie wanted our team to play uh, defensively, we just weren't good enough. If I mean, we passed it and passed it. It was no, yeah. It it was so different movement give the ball to people even if they're under pressure Vinny Samways was unbelievable at that no matter where he was on the pitch if the crowd were booing him it'd still give, give it to me he was an unbelievable player and it, things started from there and then of course we had myself Teddy Jürgen Nicky Barnby what a player he was Popescu centrally I mean when Jerry Francis came in, when he started, we played Sheffield Wednesday away. What a great game. We won 4-3. That's how football should be. Entertaining. Teams worked us out and worked out that if you if you defend properly, you can hit them on the counter-attack. That's but not because it was the famous five. It was There was about eight that would bomb forward. Full-backs bomb forward. Midfielders, two centre-backs, Colin Coldwood sat in front and that's it. Um, so they worked that out. Jerry Francis came in and worked us with a rigid four four two with all the, that quality still, and it was it was a really top top team. I think I think if we kept that team together the following year, uh, if I didn't start picking up the injuries of the next couple of years, that team could have definitely challenged. Thank you for listening to The Big Interview. It's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true, Graham Hunter, and Backpage. Our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us, at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here endeth the lesson. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, 
rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.